a new month means a new Nodia on your mind report. And Victor Sonnebeck and I, you and Trokmea, are going to have a talk about our latest Nodia on your mind report. And this month's topic is almost sounding uh, like a Hamlet play, uh, how to pay it out. Um, for a corporate, uh, making money means that when you generate capital, you need to consider if it should be kept in the business to be invested in the business, in the growth of the business, or if you should pay capital out to your shareholders. May sound kind of obvious, but it is far from obvious. There are many, many complex considerations that go into decisions on what to do with the money generated in the business. We were pretty curious about this, Victor, when we looked at it, and I think it's fair to say that we were reasonably objective, don't you think? Yeah, yeah I would say so, and I, and I think that... I mean, we try to take both the, the kind of theoretical angle of it, uh, the, th- the theoretical aspect of, of if you should pay out, uh, and also, of course, uh, how you should do it. Uh, but then, of course, also try to, to find find quantitative measures, so to see what, what have companies been doing, and, and also to try to answer the question, what should companies be doing? Yeah, you mean not just rely on your opinion or my opinion, but actually find some data to point to as well? To exactly. Unfortunately, we... I, I, we felt the need to to be able to back this up with some evidence. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, can be discussed, but uh, I guess we keep it on the safe side, right? Yeah. Um, so, so part of the uh, charm of this topic, I think, was to ask ourselves the questions, which seemed almost unnecessary, but once we started looking at them, seemed pretty important. Um, uh, and, and the very sort of basic questions on. For example, should the company pay money out to its shareholders at all? And uh, in addition, if you decide that you should pay money out, the question, of course, is how? Yeah. What method should you choose and what works best? Yeah, and as we've uh, we found out that um, the answer to that question is, is, is very rarely straightforward. Uh, there are a lot of different aspects to to take into account, and and a lot of different things uh, to consider. Uh, so so, it usually uh, usually boils down to a kind of analyst answer, wouldn't you say? With uh, you know, it it depends. Exactly. Um, yeah. And being an analyst is kind of embarrassing that that is an analyst answer, but sadly, <laughs> it's it's often a good answer uh, when when we're talking about complex matters. But I, I don't know about you, but but uh, I'm a bit curious about um, just kind of the, the theoretical framework. Uh, regarding this this question that we've been talking about, should companies pay out money or not? Yeah, and that's I guess a good and natural place to start. We it, it's almost like an existential question, uh, and and one that I think in practice in everyday business life, relatively few group management members in these large corporates uh, ask themselves. But it's 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 a pretty relevant question, and according to economic theory, the answer to the question is no, uh, as long as there are profitable projects available to invest in, companies should not pay money out to shareholders because the best use of the money generated by the business would be to plow it into that business and continue to expand by investing. That's what generates the most value. So, so given the fact that you, you in your business have opportunities to, to invest, then that's what you should do yeah. and not pay out money. Yeah. Uh, but then if we look to, to the market and we see that, uh, I mean, the majority of, of companies do pay, pay out money. They do pay out the m- most, most normally in, in the Nordics uh, dividends. Uh, is that only because they have no opportunity to to invest this money otherwise, or, or do you find any other factors there as well? No, that that's not the only reason. And and as always, reality is a bit different than theory, and and this is no exception. Um, and 
while there is, of course, a very strong theoretical case for not making payouts if you have profitable investment opportunities, there are other arguments in favor of making payouts, even if you as a company might have products to invest in that could create value. Uh, and just to give a few examples of it, uh, one aspect would be that as you add projects to your list of potential opportunities to invest, once you go outside your existing up and running core business, are additional projects that are available to invest in increasingly risky? Are they more peripheral outside your core business? Uh, are they related to timing risks to invest at the peak of the cycle, etc.? Yeah. So every project might not have exactly the same merits as, 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 as the other one. Yeah. Uh, another example is that there can be a governance issue materializing at some point. If a company generates a lot of cash and accumulates that cash into a big cash pile, um, once it reaches a certain size and becomes an obvious potential problem in the sense that we are increasingly stressed, we in the management, in that we need to put this money to productive work, will we get so stressed that we take greater risks than we would normally do otherwise to invest that money and actually deploy it and to make it generate a, a good return? And And that means that investors might like to see commitments from the company to avoid that kind of situation. Uh, and I guess given the, the interest rate climate that we're having right now with, uh, with negative interest rates, that should carry with it some costs to, to accumulating this, this kind of cash pile. Definitely. So in, 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 in today's situation where it actually gives you a negative yield to sit on risk-free cash, uh, that means that there is a P&L hit from doing so, especially if it grows larger and becomes actually a potentially significant item in, in the group P&L. Uh, and the third example, uh, just to, to, to add as well, is that uh, there can also be uh, a situation where paying a dividend, having an ordinary dividend that is seen to be recurring, is sort of a norm. If, right. if you are a big company, if you're listed on the main list of a stock exchange, it might be expected, even almost required from the point of view of institutional equity investors, that once you're a company in that category, you should pay a dividend. It's 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 a necessary quality stamp, and and that's something you of course need to consider as well. Because if you don't, you will be very different, and it might have an impact on the perception of you as a company and the quality of your business and and, and the management. So, so in essence, a signal that you've reached that kind of maturity stage with your business that you are able to pay out uh, dividend back to to shareholders instead of needing everything to to reinvest or or to 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 grow at a very high pace. Exactly. So that in a given year, even if you have a tougher year for the business, you are still healthy enough to be able to pay an ordinary dividend because you have, as you say, become a company of such a size and dignity and robustness that you will have the ability to do so. And as we as we, as we briefly mentioned, uh, I mean, paying dividends is, is the more usual kind of uh, way of doing it in the Nordics. But uh, if we if we look across the pond and, and look towards the U.S., we see that uh, the buybacks are actually uh, the most common way of, of uh, returning capital to to shareholders. So, yep. so if you were to still kind of on this theoretical level uh, discuss the question between then dividends or buybacks. Um, yep. And, and according to economic theory, there wouldn't be any difference between the two. Paying out capital to the shareholders is, is paying out capital. Uh, but then it doesn't work exactly the same way. And, and, and there are arguments in favor uh, of using dividends to pay out capital as well as uh, using buybacks. Uh, and, and, and if you compare them and, and just try to highlight what might make a company favor using one or the other, if we start with dividends, 
there are some pretty obvious attractions with dividends. I mean, as you say, it, it's it's the norm. It's it's uh, in Europe definitely by far the most common way of paying out capital to shareholders. Yeah, pretty much in, in all of the world except for um, for the US. Exactly. Although the US is, of course, a very big market and yeah. therefore it's important and it's a very major exception that it's different there. But but then I guess we can come back to that. But yeah. but but nonetheless, the, the standard solution would be to pay dividends. It, it's a cash return. If you receive a dividend because you own a share in a company, you get cash in your hand, right? Well, digitally, but nonetheless, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a cash return rather, rather than a capital gain on an asset whose price increases. And some types of investors, some types of shareholders need or want a cash return. There are investment companies who need cash inflows to fund their operations. Uh, and, and there are foundations. And, and for instance, the Nobel Foundation that pays out Nobel Prizes to prize winners every year, they need some money to constitute that prize and that money comes from the return on the investments and if they are not to need to sell assets from the foundation's portfolio they will need a cash inflow and I guess in the case of the investment company they, they would rarely be keen to sell off uh, their interest in in their shares or, or in, their, in the companies that they own indeed if, if the purpose of the investment company is to have an active ownership and to be a major uh, dominant even, even perhaps owner in, in, in portfolio companies, then if they needed to sell shares every year to just fund their operations, that ownership would over time potentially decline. That influence would decline. Uh, another attraction of dividends is that they offer a return which doesn't depend on the share price. As you just highlighted, if, if you're, for example, an investment company and you don't receive dividends and then you would need to sell shares from your portfolio to get a cash inflow to pay for your operations you run the risk of the time at which you need to sell some shares to raise that cash might be a bad time in the sense that the stock market has seen a correction and the share prices are low. And, and that's always a risk. Yeah. And, and, and a dividend doesn't face that risk. The dividend is decided and declared and then paid out. And it, it's the amount that gets decided at the AGM that's paid out, irrespective of what happens to share prices. Yeah. And the third argument in favor of uh, dividends is that they... They represent the signal value. We touched a little bit upon that just a few moments ago. Uh, it, it, it's a way for a company to flag that it has a certain level of financial health and that it has, because of it being a robust business, a mature business, the ability to accumulate some reserves and to be able to commit to paying a recurring dividend annually, even in years where you have a weaker performance and profits might decline or, or even potentially in, in, in during years when you post a loss. You can take money from equity, from reserves, and pay out to shareholders to show that, fine, this was a difficult year, but the business is going to be perfectly healthy and recover, and we are so convinced of that that we will pay you a dividend for this past difficult year as well. Yeah. I, I don't want to put you too much on the spot here because I, I, I know it's, <laughs> a, it's a difficult question, but, but of course tax has something to do with it, right? Where, where, where are your shareholders' uh, tax domicile and where where is your company located and and all of that troublesome uh, type of questions no you're right yeah. but but then the the thing is in trying to estimate and quantify what effect taxation of dividends or capital gains on shares sold in a share repurchase program that is a a, a mammoth task and and it can be a very complicated complicated issue what the domicile of a shareholder actually is. Uh, is. Is a Nordic fund management company a Nordic shareholder or because the funds are registered in Luxembourg, does that mean that they are an EU shareholder? Right, yeah. And, 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 the, and, and then, of course, what is the full list of shareholders you have in your company? Yeah. And, and, and the tax situation may well be different for each and every one of them. So if you are a company where you have one or a few 
really major shareholders who represent a big chunk of the equity in the company, then it can be clearly of very, very much use to learn what their tax considerations are and make sure that you propose a way of paying out funds which suits that. But if you're a company which is very widely held, I think you are in practice going to have to leave it up to your shareholders to raise their voice and give you their opinion on if there are specific considerations for them. So, so in essence, th- this would be a typical question where, where the answer, it, it really does depend, both theoretically <laughs> and practically. An analytical answer on that one, for sure, yes. Yeah, depending on the company, its owners, and, and, and a lot of other, other factors as well. Indeed. Then uh, dividends, those would be examples of key arguments in favor of of, uh, using dividends. Uh, And then looking at buybacks as the main alternative to dividends to to pay out funds to shareholders. Um, There are arguments in favor of using those. One of those is that buybacks represent a continuous payout. So the company gets a mandate to buy back its own shares, uh, and the most common way of doing that is by doing it in in the open market, to to actually, on the stock exchange, buy your own shares, put them in treasury, and then cancel them. Um, That gives you flexibility in that, more or less day by day, you can decide that you want to buy more shares, maybe up to the maximum you're allowed to, according to rules and regulations. Or you can decide if you, for whatever reason, get worried, uh, even if it has to do with the share price surging and you thinking, hmm, it's not so attractive anymore to buy our own shares at these levels. Or if you're worried about what's going to happen to the company now that the economy is weakening, you can decide not to buy shares at all or you can buy less. So it's a very flexible way of handing out capital on a continuous basis and you can adapt to however you feel about the prospects ahead. Apart from the argument in favor of buybacks uh, based on it being a continuous payout uh, method, uh, there are more. And and another one is that it's a method that offers flexibility. Shareholders can choose if they want to sell shares and and, and get paid in cash or if they would rather hold on to their shares. So instead of being being forced to cash and with it perhaps a, a tax effect, uh, you, you have the option instead of, of choosing when to, to either realize that capital gain or, or not. Exactly. So, so it's up to the shareholders. Uh, and another argument, which I think is a pretty important one, you mentioned the US earlier and yeah. why share buybacks are so common there compared to all the other markets in the world. And, and one contributing reason, we think, is of course that many uh, management equity incentive programs have earnings per share as a key KPI, which decides if management get awarded more equity or not. Uh, And with share buybacks, one effect that you get is that the number of shares in the company decreases. So all future profits will be split between fewer numbers of shareholders. Uh, And and, and that means that earnings per share will increase if you implement share buybacks. So so that's, that's a benefit from the point of view of every shareholder in the company. And then uh, there is also a signal value aspect, just like there is for dividends. And in in the case of share buybacks, it's a tool that can be used to make a commitment that here we have this mandate to buy back shares. We will use that and we will certainly see it as a way of handling if we come into a situation where we build up too big a cash pile. Would you say that there is a difference in how strong the signal is? Um, I mean, if you take a dividend, for example, uh, one can argue that that uh, signals that the company believes that we will be able to sustain and increase our our future earnings um, without this money. But if you buy back shares instead, would that also be be an added factor that you you believe that the company, as of right now, uh, is not valued as high as it should be? 
I, I think, yes, they, they are both tools which can be highly complementary. And the ordinary dividend, there is, as we said earlier, a norm that it's seen as something that you don't, as a company, want to reduce. You want to use it as a signal that we are able to pay this even in difficult years. But having a share buyback mandate and using it and showing consistently year after year that you keep using it is another additional strong positive signal value if you can maintain it. And we will get into that when we talk about uh, if there is a lasting impact on the value of the company from making big payouts, including using share buybacks. Uh, and on that that topic, I mean, I, I'm uh, I'm I'm pretty much a, a numbers guy, and I'm sitting here itching to try to trying to get into some of the figures that we have. And uh, what, what you mentioned with that there is this norm of of uh, paying dividends, uh, it is very evident in, in historical data. And and just as an example, when we started looking at at uh, the total payout in the different regions, uh, one thing that uh, that struck me at first was that during the financial crisis. Uh, you, s- you could see how the U.S. Uh, went down much more uh, than than the rest of the world. Uh, and when we looked deeper into this data, we saw that what had happened is that in all of the regions, the dividends were were, were fairly stable. Uh, they decreased, of course, uh, during the financial crisis, but they didn't decrease as much as one could have expected. But what did happen was that uh, uh, that companies pulled the brakes on the share buyback p- uh, programs. And since the U.S., as, as we briefly mentioned, uh, relies much more on, on share uh, repurchase programs, uh, you can see that effect in, in the total payout uh, much more in the U.S. Hmm. Where would you say, based on those numbers we have crunched, that companies are today in terms of how big payouts they are making in, in a historical context? So in a, in a historical context, uh, it's, it's a pretty similar payout level. Uh, in in the world, excluding Asia, because Asia Asia is around 2.5 percent in terms of of uh, total capital paid out in either dividends or buybacks uh, to market cap mm. uh, over this uh, about 15 year period that we've studied. Uh, whereas uh, the rest of the world, so so in this case Europe and and uh, especially the Nordics uh, that we're focusing on, in on, and the US are around five uh, percent. Mm. Uh, and just an easy explanation for why uh, why Asia is so much lower is obviously the, there's higher growth. Yeah. Um, so so companies are valued uh, compared to to what they're able to pay out uh, at a higher ratio. Yeah. And differences between the regions. You already mentioned that the payouts are lower in Asia, but if we look at how companies are paying out funds to shareholders, what do we see there? And there we see uh, there we see the biggest difference. Uh, so, so U.S. companies buy back shares. Uh, while European companies tend to distribute dividends. So buying back shares have become a bit more popular uh, in Europe in the last few years, uh, but it's still at a level uh, that is quite far below below the US. So if if we were to look at how how large of a share of total payouts uh, is buybacks, then it's around 60% uh, in in the US, whereas in the Nordics and and, and in Europe in, in, in general, it's around twenty to thirty percent. So, mm. so there's pretty mm. pretty big difference. Mm. And it's actually the most common way of paying out capital in the US. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More common than dividends. More common than dividends. Mm. So lying at about, uh, as I said, sixty percent. Yeah. What one thing we were curious about when we looked at the data on what companies have actually done in the past, buying back stock or or paying out dividends or both, was. As a company, do you get rewarded? Is there a permanent benefit affecting the value of your company if you pay out a lot to shareholders uh, or, or for that matter, if you do it through share buybacks rather than just by paying dividends? 
would you say you would be able to give a definitive answer to that? So, so that, that's a great question. And, and first of all, on, on answering the last part, can you give a definite answer on that? Uh, there are a lot of studies done on this topic. Uh, so you find, uh, find a lot of work done on it, uh, mainly through academia. And the common answer is, is no. You can't say definitely that, uh, that you see that uh, it pays off, uh, pays off long term. Um, however, the academic, academic standard for saying you know, something definitely is pretty harsh. You yeah. have to statistically be able to prove something consistently over time uh, with a high, high, high degree of cer- uh, certainty. And we work in reality and not in the world of academia. Exactly. So in reality, uh, at least as far as we've been able to show and, and taking a lot of uh, different factors into account, uh, it seems that it does pay off. Uh, and it does pay off, uh, pay off rather handsomely. Mm. Uh, so uh, through one of, uh, one of our, our simulations that we have done for the purpose of this study, uh, creating investment strategies based on investing in companies uh, that historically have, uh, have done buybacks, uh, recurring buybacks and at a high rate, uh, and comparing that to companies that have distributed uh, pretty much the same amount of capital but have done so through dividends instead, mm. We do find that there is an outperformance um, in the in, in the European market and in the North American market of uh, of around fifty to seventy percent over the last to fifteen years. Percent. Fifty to seventy percent. Yes. No, that that's pretty rich. Um, even if it's a long time period, that's kind of hard to ignore. Yeah, and, and especially s- since we're not using any any uh, forward-looking data, so we're basing this on information available yeah. at the time yeah. every year. Yeah. And just looking historically, what have companies been doing? And then we favor the ones uh, that have paid out the most through buybacks. And just to sort of get this straight, if you have been a top dividend payer, you've paid out a lot, but you've done it through dividends, have you outperformed? In the U.S., slightly, but not much. A rather insignificant between 0.5 and 1% per year. Okay. In Europe, not at all. Yeah. It's it's pretty much even race uh, between the highest dividend payers and, uh, and uh, the overall market. Okay, and if you have made major share buybacks consistently, have you been rewarded by doing that? Uh, exactly, and that's what you have been. And then you At get 50 or 70% outperformance, depending on if you're a US company or a European company. Exactly, yeah. yeah. A pretty compelling case. It's, uh, it's very interesting. Yeah. Okay, so if we try and put this together... Um, we are trying to think about this from a large corporate perspective, and... The, the, the way to perhaps ask yourself the question is, what should I do? If, if I'm in a company, if there is a cash generation, if I have my shareholders, I want to look after their interests and make them happy, what do I do? And I think, Victor, the sad truth here, right, is that, that again, we're back to the analyst answer. It depends. It, it really is. Uh, I mean, we hopefully have, have, uh, have given companies some help along the way uh, with some of our quantitative studies included in this. But, but as you say, I mean, it's highly dependent on, on each company's specific, uh, specific profile. Yeah. Uh, what is it the business does? Who are the owners? Where yeah. is it located? And we have done in the report something you could call some form of checklist where you can just, on a high level, look at the different considerations and, and as you say, key parameters to consider are what your major shareholders want, who are they and what suits them. Do you need flexibility in how you pay out capital? Is there a signal value aspect, something you need to prove? Uh, and also, again, just to maybe hit home that point, from what we see in the data with the analysis that we've done, there is a pretty compelling case for using share buybacks if you have 
the strength, the financial strength, to be able to maintain them and make them a recurring part of your payouts and have them built into expectations going forward as well. And an interesting part here is that, you know, theoretically it shouldn't really matter. Yeah. But the data tells us that it actually does. Yeah. So that's that's really the th- one of the key things to take with you from this study. Uh, we uh, recommend having a look at it. It's it's actually, uh, there are some revelations in there. It's been a lot of fun working with it. Uh, and I think we will conclude for this time uh, with that. Thank you.